And you would think that this would be the mountaintop experience for Elijah. It truly was the mountaintop experience, Mount Carmel, in fact. Uh, but for every mountain, there's a valley. For every victory, there is a trial. Uh, and, you know, I love those great experiences, the highlights of my Christian life when everything seems to be going well, everything seems to be wonderful. But I know when I'm having that type of experience, the trial is just ahead. Hello, and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Sunday School Podcast. Did you know that the Bible addresses depression? Typically, when we read, we don't recognize that Scripture does address this ailment. Today, with Dr. Rich Roberts, he addresses that very issue from a biblical standpoint as he concludes his Sunday School series entitled, Trusting God, the Life of Elijah. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our uh, adult Sunday school, our last lesson in our Elijah series. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to tell you as we start off our lesson today that this is going to be a pretty serious lesson dealing with some pretty serious concepts. Uh, But I really think God is going to bless us as we study this. Today, we're going to be dealing with the issue of depression, Uh, to be depressed. One in 10 people who visit a doctor have medical depression. This is not just the normal feelings of sadness associated with life's events. Uh, This is not something you just snap out of. Depression is a real clinical diagnosis. Um, And there are many uh, causes of depression, uh, such as medical issues, thyroid, postpartum depression, chemical imbalances, uh, certain medications. Uh, It could be caused from, you know, grieving the loss of a loved one, uh, highly stressful or sad events, ongoing stress, such as family problems and so on, can also cause depression. I want to, uh, we are going to look at a biblical case study of depression in 1 Kings chapter 19 as we are continuing our study of, our study of Elijah. Now, before we get into this, I legally and ethically have to say, uh, I am not a professional counselor. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Uh, I'm not a medical doctor. And so I'm just a simple preacher, a theologian, uh, who's dealing with a biblical example of depression. But I do know that there are many people who suffer from this, especially in this COVID crisis where people have been cooped up for weeks, uh, can kind of exasperate uh, the issues of depression. And so, uh, I mean, I have family members, extended family members and so on, uh, that, that suffer from depression. Uh, so I've seen this firsthand. And we're going to look at a case study in the case of Elijah. Uh, that being said, I want to have a word of prayer as we start this study in 1 Kings chapter 19 as we're looking at the issues of depression. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before your throne of grace and your throne of mercy and we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather in Sunday school once again, even though it is remotely with video and CD. We just thank you, Lord, for allowing us to assemble, to study your word. And Lord, I just pray now the Holy Spirit will make your word alive to our hearts. Lord, we're dealing with some serious issues today, but I pray that you will bless us, help us to learn and grow in Jesus' name. 
Amen. First Kings chapter 19. Just to go back to last week, we saw the miracle working power of God through the use of his prophet Elijah at Mount Carmel. We saw fire fall from heaven. Uh, you know, I've been in church my whole life, but I've never seen literal fire fall down from heaven at the command of the preacher or the prophet of God. I like to see that, but it hasn't happened. Now, I have, on the other hand, I've seen miracles. Uh, I have seen the Lord perform miracles. I've seen him perform physical miracles. I've seen him perform financial miracles. I've seen definitely spiritual miracles where people are getting saved and people are living holy lives before the Lord. Uh, I've seen miracle after miracle from God. But I haven't seen fire fall down out of heaven, literally, uh, onto an altar or something of that nature. And you may ask, well, why not? Well, the why not should be should be obvious. We haven't had a need for it. If I'm in the church, why do we have to have fire fall down from heaven to destroy the church building and the altar and so on? There hasn't been a need for fire falling from heaven, as was the case with Elijah. Elijah, the prophet of God, has gone through this miracle. Uh, the prophets of Baal have been killed. Uh, the fire has fallen from heaven. And you would think that this would be the mountaintop experience for Elijah. It truly was the mountaintop experience. Mount Carmel, in fact. Uh, but for every mountain, there's a valley. For every victory, there is a trial. Uh, and, you know, I love those great experiences, the highlights of my Christian life when everything seems to be going well, everything seems to be wonderful. But I know when I'm having that type of experience, the trial is just ahead. Something's going to come, you know, is, something's going to test my faith. Something's going to come up. In this COVID crisis, we, we all have suffered. Uh, we've all had a trial. We've all had to, you know, mediate our own circumstances and figure out the way the way we need to follow it's been hard so when we look at first kings chapter 19 i want you to notice as we're getting into this case study of depression with elijah i want you to notice the stressful situation look at verses one and two ahab told jezebel all that elijah had done also how he had executed the prophets with the sword then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. Now, this is important. Jezebel responds, this is the queen. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just, let's just put things into perspective. We have the prophet of God on one hand, but we have the king and queen on the other. This is a king and queen with dictatorial power. Ladies and gentlemen, to be honest, you don't mess with the political leaders because they have the power to kill you. I mean, even in the United States, we celebrate democracy and freedom, the republic that we're in. But just to be honest with you, every president that's ever been a president has ordered covert missions. People have died by the order of every president we've had, including Donald Trump. He has the power to have you killed. You, you don't mess with the political leaders. Here is Ahab and Jezebel, the king and queen. Jezebel is sending a message, and notice what the message is. So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. This is a death threat from the queen. Now you want to talk about stress. It doesn't matter what you think about any president. If you got notification that that president had ordered your death, how would you feel? 
How would you react if you had that type of order? The president is using the Secret Service, the FBI, CIA, NSA, whatever, uh, to have you killed. Uh, If you knew that that was coming, what type of stress would you be under at that moment? Uh, So this is a stressful situation. Uh, And Elijah has a reaction to it, which we see in verses 3 and 4. Notice what Elijah's reaction is. He doesn't do like Mount Carmel. He doesn't go up to the king. He doesn't say, okay, Lord, I'm going to rain fire down from heaven. He, does, uh, he, uh, he doesn't go killing anybody. He does, the, he does the exact opposite. He withdraws. Verse 3, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. The theologians tell us he traveled about 84 miles. He got out of the country. He went to another country, which was Judah. Judah and Israel were separated at the time. Uh, So he went to Judah to try to escape the rulership of Ahab and Jezebel. He thought he would be safe. He didn't go to a city even because there could be spies there from Israel who would kill him anyway. He went to the wilderness. He didn't take a servant with him. He went alone. He went alone because he's trying to find a place of escape. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the way a lot of times people who are depressed act. Instead of facing the situations, they try to run from the situations. They try to withdraw from the situations. They don't engage, they withdraw. Ladies and gentlemen, most of the time, withdrawal is not the answer. It really isn't. Uh, You may have heard of depressed people many times who will go to their bedrooms uh, and they just don't get out of bed. They stay in bed. They put the covers over their head, so on. It is their way of withdrawing from situations. They are trying to escape instead of confronting the situation. Then we go to step three. Notice step three. Not only does Elijah withdraw from the situation, he starts thinking about death. This is one of the hallmarks that we find of people who are depressed. A lot of them think about issues of death. Verse 4, he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. He says, okay, Lord, I'm ready to die. It's this preoccupation with death. Why the preoccupation with death with people who are depressed? They see death as the escape. That's it. Notice it's part of that withdrawal process. I'm going to withdraw from the situation instead of engaging it. And I want to die. So it's the ultimate withdrawal. So I really don't have to face the situation. This gets mixed with a lot of feelings. Some of them illogical. uh, That compound the situation. In verse 4 you will notice that Elijah starts to feel unworthy. He said it's enough. Now take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Did you see that? It's that feeling of unworthiness. I'm no better than my father's. He, he, this is a man who just, the last chapter of the book, is the prophet of God who, you know, of course God himself, who rains fire down upon the altar. And just shortly after this situation, after a death threat, he's now feeling unworthy. I don't know anybody else who called fire down out of heaven, but okay, he now feels unworthy. He doesn't feel like he's better than anyone else. This leads to helplessness and hopelessness. Look at verse 10. 
He said, I've been zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. They seek to take my life. He feels helpless. He feels hopeless. He feels like, okay, I'm going to die now. He's under a death threat from the queen of, queen, queen of Israel, and this gives him this feeling of helplessness. How do you respond to such a threat? This helplessness. This starts to bring up illogical conclusions. Uh, con you know, conclusions not founded based upon uh, you know, the reality of the situation. Many times people who are depressed come up with conclusions, deductions that aren't based in reality. Uh, because they have become warped by the situation. In verse number uh, 14... Notice his illogical reaction. Children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Uh, notice what he says. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one seeking the Lord. That is, it is really illogical to think that out of the entire country, he's the only one serving the Lord. In fact, the Lord has to respond to that in verse number 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and yet every mouth that has not, and, and every mouth that has not kissed him. God has to respond, you think you're the only one? I have at least 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed to Baal. Uh, so somehow, uh, what you find with Elijah, a case study, which is true of many types of depressed people, is that they get self self-introverted. They become self-conceited. Self uh, they are focused so much on self uh, that they illogically uh, disregard everybody else. Uh, so we have Elijah in a depressed state because of the situation, because of the death threat that, that has happened to him. Well, what about our depression? And again, I am not a psychiatrist, psychologist. I am not a clinician of any sort. Uh, I'm a preacher who's looking at a biblical case study, a theologian uh, who's trying to find out biblical answers to, to situations. Uh, in no way am I trying to replace a medical doctor uh, or someone of that nature uh, who is trained with issues of depression. But from the studies that I've read, there are many medical doctors, many people who say that the spiritual aspects, that the religious aspects dealing with depression can be just as helpful as others, uh, but not necessarily a replacement. There are, you know, if you're having a chemical imbalance, you need to get the chemicals in balance in your body. You need to get them back in balance. If you're dealing with thyroid issues, you need to get your thyroid checked. You need to have whatever medications necessary. Uh, so there are reasons for depression that are not necessarily spiritual reasons. It doesn't, it doesn't always mean that you've sinned. It just means that there's something going on and you got to deal with it. I'm a personal opinion. If you get stuck, you need to get help to get unstuck. You know, whatever, you know, if your car runs off the road and you're in the ditch, you hope to have somebody come by to get you out of the ditch. Uh, and so sometimes it's a spiritual need that you need to get, you know, some help with. Sometimes it's a medical need. Uh, but if you are depressed... Uh, for whatever reason, I do advise going to a doctor. I do advise making sure that there's not a medical cause of that type of depression. But I also believe that if there are spiritual issues involved, 
and many times there are spiritual issues involved, then we have to take the spiritual steps as well to deal with that depression. And this is exactly what's going on with Elijah. I don't really believe in this case study that Elijah's problem is medical. I don't, I don't believe that he's suffering from some sort of chemical imbalance in his body or a thyroid issue or whatever. This is a man who just saw fire fall. The reason for his depression was that introverted idea of my life is in danger uh, because Ahab and Jezebel have threatened him. So God has to respond. You know, it's now a faith issue uh, because, you know, if, even if you're under a death threat, God is the one who's still sovereign. God's the one who's under control and you're not going to go. You're not going to die until it's your time. Uh, God is still in control. God is in control of Ahab. He's in control of Jezebel. He's in control of everyone. So I want you to notice the help that God has given Elijah in this situation. Excuse me. I want you to notice six things that I think really helped uh, Elijah, that how God helped Elijah in this situation. In verses 5 through 7, I want you to notice how God is providing for his basic needs. God fed him. And I'll, to be honest, it's hard to get out of depression if your basic needs are not met. Um, I, have, I have been a, you know, a, I've been a professional teacher for a long time. And I've had some students in my classroom that they don't get breakfast at home. They don't, they don't, they don't get food at home. There are, there, are, there are some students, they know the only food that they're going to eat is what's fed to them by, by the school, breakfast and lunch. And I've seen some of these students who will beg, who will get two or three other students' lunches and will eat those lunches because they know when they leave school at 2 or, two or 3 o'clock, they're going to go home to empty cabinets. They're going to go home to no food. Uh, and they're, they are going to be starving to the next day. It's one of the reasons why in this COVID crisis, most of the county systems, through the instigation of the federal government, they have been continuing food services to children. Because some children, they don't eat without that. They literally starve. As, as a teacher, let me say this. How do you teach somebody about Shakespeare when he's sitting there hungry? Do you really think he cares about Shakespeare or anything else I have to teach? If he cares about mathematics, if he cares about science or anything else, do you really think he cares if he's sitting there starving? And that answer to the question is no. I'm going to go a step further and I'm going to deal with the church. If we have someone in our church hungry, physically hungry, do you really think he cares about your sermons, Sunday school lessons, singing or anything else? No, he really doesn't. What is he interested in? Food. You got to meet the basic needs first. There's a thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you can look it up uh, online or whatever. But uh, it, it, it's just a triangle. The top of the triangle is called self-actualization. It's where your dreams are coming true and you're living the life. The bottom of that is your basic needs. If your basic needs aren't met, you never reach the top of the chain, which is your dreams being met. Your basic needs have to be met first. So in verses 5 through 7, God feeds Elijah. He literally has him fed because he needs his basic needs. Uh, he has to have those basic needs met first. Verses, uh, let's start reading verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. 
Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. God not only fed him once, he fed him twice. And, he, and why does the Lord feed him? Because the journey is too great for you. You can't take the journey. You can't do what God needs you to do if you're starving. Uh, you've got to seek the food first. Basic needs have to be met. So ladies and gentlemen, that's the first step out of depression, making sure needs are met. Uh, trying to figure out why the depression is there in the first place. Uh, and you know, if, if it is a, you know, a spiritual issue, we work with spiritual issues. If it's a clinical issue, a medical issue, we have to deal with those as well. If it's a medical issue, you can't be effective in the kingdom of God till you get the medical issue met. Uh, my own wife, she has thyroid issues. She had half of her thyroid removed. She's on thyroid medication every day. Now, if she doesn't take her med, it has an effect on her reactions to things because her thyroid is out of whack. And it's not, you know, it's not that she means to have these type of issues. If she doesn't take her medicine, her thyroid goes out of whack. It has, it has an imbalance that, that just affects her personality. She knows it. Everybody knows it. She has a thyroid issue. Ladies and gentlemen, she needs that medicine. It's a medical issue. You know, pray all you want. The Lord gave us wisdom. If you know you have a medical issue, take care of it medically. Uh, take the pill, in other words. So, God fed him. Number two, the second issue here is that God let him rest. Verse 5, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree. Verse 6, so he ate and drank and lay down again. There are times to be active and there are times to rest. Um, you know, even preachers and teachers and so on, there are times we need to be active and there are times we need, we need to sit down. As ministers, uh, many of us, we minister all the time. We're teaching and preaching all the time. There are times we need to be ministered to. We need someone to teach us. We need someone to minister to us. I am a firm believer if you are a preacher or teacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to sit and be ministered to every week as well as ministering to others. You need to have the ministry to you. If you don't, you get spiritually cold. There's a time to be active and there's a time to rest. Elijah had just dealt with God to rain fire down out of heaven. He was active. But at this particular point, what Elijah needed was not just to eat. He needed to rest. He needed God to minister to him. The prophet needs to be ministered to as well. So step two was that God let him rest. Step three, God starts to pose some questions to him to bring about his thinking into realistic terms. Remember, he had some illogical uh, concepts earlier where he thought he was the only one. Uh, but now God starts to ask him some questions. He's trying to get Elijah to think into reality. Verse 9, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, God already knew, God already knew the answer to the question. But he's trying to get Elijah to put things into reality. Elijah, why are you here? Why, you know, why are you resting here under the broom tree? It would be the same way if I knew someone was actually depressed and in bed with the covers over their head and whatever. I might ask the question, why are you in this bed? 
Why do you have the covers over your head? This is what God's doing to Elijah. Why are you here? Verse number 13. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you wrapping your face? Why are you trying, you know, do you really think that that hides you? What are you doing, Elijah? That same question is many times asked of people who are depressed. What are you doing? Trying to get us to think about what's really happening in our life at that moment. As I said, God already knew the answer. It wasn't that God needed the answer. It was that Elijah needed the answer. He needed to try to face up to what's really happening in his life. So what does God do when, it, when it's a spiritual issue that causes depression? If you really want to, to get that issue resolved, you have to face it. And that means you come into the presence of the Lord. You have, this is step four. God brought him into his presence. Notice verses 11 and 12. God said, go out. Stand on the mountain before the Lord. Did you catch that? Go out. Stand on the mountain before the Lord. Before the Lord. In other words, he's saying, okay, Elijah, it's time to get into my presence. Come into the presence of God. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. That still small voice, it's God speaking to him. God's presence is that place of healing. God's presence is that place of insight. God's presence is that place of power. God knew, and we all know from, you know, if we're dealing with spiritual issues, if you want to deal with depression on, you know, in a spiritual basis, you have to get into the presence of the Lord. That is your source of healing. It's your source of insight. It's your source of power. In this case, the still small voice of God helping you and dealing with you. Number five, when you get into the presence, what's going to happen? When I get into the presence of God, what is God going to do? He's going to do two things. You find him. Number five, number, first of all, God's going to tell him the truth. God, you know, God doesn't deal in the hypotheticals. He, you know, he's not dealing in the fantasy. God's going to tell him the truth. This is what's happening. Notice verse number 18. I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not, has not kissed him. God had to just tell him, you're not alone. You're not alone. There are many in Israel who have not bowed to Baal. You are one of several. Now, we can put this into a lot of our own situations. Many times whenever we get depressed, many times whenever we get downhearted, we think we're alone. We think we are the only ones. And the reality is we're not. Uh, just being members of the human race, we're not alone. There are other people in our situation as well or near our situation as well. Not only that, when it comes to serving God, we're definitely not alone. Haven't you noticed that our churches have been closed, but yet we're doing videos and CDs and people are screaming, basically saying, we need church services again. We need to meet again. Why? We need to know we're not alone. You've been cooped up in your house for six weeks. You need to know you're not alone. And that is exactly what God is telling Elijah. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. You're not the only one facing the situation. You are not alone. Then, and, I, and I, I love this last part, God gave him a job. Notice verses 15 and 16. 
God gave him a job. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazio as king over Syria. And you shall anoint Jehu, uh, the son of Nifshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Manola, and I'm probably butchering the Hebrew words, you shall anoint as the prophet in your place. God said, I want you to go anoint a new king of Syria. I want you to go anoint a new king of Israel. And I want you to go and anoint a new prophet, Elisha. God gave him a job. Why? The, the answer should be obvious. Get out of bed. Go do something. Uh, if someone is depressed, trying to just withdraw, trying to stay in the bed, trying to have the you know, covers over their head and so on, you, get it, you give them a job. I really need you to do X, whatever X is, to get dressed and go do something. Because that, that, that activity combats depression. Now, I, I have to say again, if there are medical issues for the depression, and they're not spiritual issues, they could be both, but if there are medical issues for this depression, then you need more than just activity. Your activity needs to be go to the doctor. And find out about those medical issues and get those medical issues dealt with. And again, I'm not a medical doctor and I don't claim to be a clinician by, by any definition. Uh, but I do know that you need activity. And if it's a spiritual issue, you need to be at the altar, you need to be seeking God, and then you need to follow God's voice and do what he's commanded you to do. Again, do the job God, God has appointed you to do. That's how you get out of that depressive state. And you get into the reality that God has for us, which is to go preach, teach, and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I hope today has been a help to you in Sunday school, especially in these COVID times. Uh, I know at this particular juncture, we're hoping that things will start to ease up. Uh, and, we're, and we're praying that there's not a resurgence of the virus. Uh, we're definitely praying that there's not a resurgence of the virus. Uh, we, we, we would like the things to start getting back to normal. But I also know it's been a hard time for many of you. Uh, and I know that the devil's been battling us with times of depression as well. Uh, but I want you to know you're not alone. And I want you to know that you have a church family that's praying for you. Uh, that, you know, that is praying that God will comfort and strengthen you in this entire situation. And of course, if you need to talk to somebody, the ministry team at Portland General Baptist Church is always here for you. And if we can help you in any way, that's what we're here to do. Uh, we haven't stopped ministry. We haven't stopped ministry at all. And we're not going to stop ministry. Ministry continues uh, because that's what God has called us to do. Uh, I want to have a word of prayer with you as we end our Sunday school time together today. Father, we've dealt with some interesting concepts, some hard concepts. And uh, we're dealing with depression today. But I pray, Lord, that as everyone has heard and watched this, this lesson, I pray, Lord, that you're dealing with people's hearts. If people are suffering from this particular issue, I pray, Lord, that you will grant the strength and the wisdom necessarily necessary to deal with it. If there are medical issues involved, I pray, Lord, that you will help the people to get to a doctor, to get those issues resolved, uh, to help us to follow the doctor's advice on those. And Lord, when there are spiritual issues involved, that we're seeking you. And we're seeking the job that you have for us so that we're active in the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, your divine blessing upon each and every household that hears this today. I pray, Lord, that you bless them in all of their activities. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.
We hope you enjoyed, were enriched, educated, and edified by this lesson from our adult Sunday school class. Each week, these Sunday school lessons are made available in video and audio formats. If you want to watch our weekly sermon and Sunday school videos, you can find them on our YouTube channel. Just subscribe to the channel and be sure to hit the notification bell so that you're notified when a new video is posted. For audio, you can subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. You can also find these audio recordings on our website free to download. Just visit www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.portlandgbc.org. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.